Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com/fool. It's Monday, October 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in the studio, we've got Jason Moser from Motley Fool Million Dollar Portfolio and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank yeah. you. It's my first show with you. I know. That's it's awesome. exciting. Really? It is, yeah. It's wow. Uh-huh. And it's especially exciting now because why? I guess. Uh, What's coming up you're this week? You're talking about Cardinals the World Series. Right yeah. <laughs> because my Astros are in the World Series. <laughs> they poached our talent scout, and now they're in the hey, World Series. Hey. The hey. Cardinals didn't even make the postseason. That's, no. that's fascinating, actually. The second time the Astros often. have been in the series. So we're very, very excited. I'm also excited because we have some special visitors here. We've got Graydon, Ruth Ann, and George visiting the show. So a shout out to them. One of them may be a Dodgers fan, but we're going to let that go. <laughs> so does that mean there's only nine people listening right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On today's show, we're going to talk Cisco, Hasbro, and Halloween candy. But Taylor, let's start in Houston, home of the Astros yeah. and home of Halliburton, the oil field services company reporting better than expected earnings on Monday. But some concerns over fracking margins. I just like saying that. Concerns (laughs) over fracking margins. And the stock down a bit. What's going on here at Halliburton? Yeah, it was a pretty rosy report outside of margins. I mean, they only came in like a percent shy on operating margins of what analysts were expecting. So I'm not looking too heavily into that. Um, But they drove 90% revenue growth in North America, 5% growth internationally, which um, is technically their weak point when you compare North America and international. Um, but seems to be maybe stealing market share because Schlumberger, the number one company in this industry, actually had sales drop by 2% internationally. So um, I think it's a pretty rosy quarter uh, for the company. And it's the first quarter that they're reporting as the number three largest oil and, uh, oil and gas services company um, since GE did what they were unable to do by acquiring Baker Hughes. Well, I think we are in a point in time now where with with all of the talk of renewable energy and solar and wind and I mean we just had Jeff Bezos on top of a wind turbine launching his new wind farm for Amazon I mean I think all of the <laughs> thinking is, is it revolves around what place does oil and natural gas have in our society today mm-hmm. and going forward? Because as we always talk about, the market is is more about what are you going to do for me versus what have you done for me lately. And I think that's sort of the challenge maybe that the oil and natural gas sector has right now is because all of this mindset is around alternative energy, renewable energy and whatnot, we still got to go, I think, another layer sort of deeper there to say, well, who's powering all of these power companies to begin with? I mean, there still is a very big role mm-hmm. for oil and natural gas, not only domestically, but I mean, globally, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, natural gas more so on the power side. Um, oil, though, very heavily in demand on the petrochemical side. Um, basically, everything you touch on a daily basis has some component of oil in it, if plastic, rubber, textiles. Um, so, I think that's where you're going to see some of that demand continue to pick up um, as other nations become more and more developed, catching up to the United States and Europe. Um, and so, I, I think, yeah, there's going to be plenty of demand there. Um, natural gas, I'm certainly uh, bullish on because of the baseload power that it can generate um, with the intermittence of wind and solar. But if battery technology gets to where people expect it to be, then renewables could 
it could really carry the weight that people had the serious doubts because that's where you, you know, sun only shines certain times of day. Wind is very variable, so um, that's where the big concerns were. But if you can store that at peak times and distribute it at night when folks are using more energy um, to power their lights in their homes, then that's when I start to, you know, question um, the validity of natural gas as, as the baseload power uh, because solar and wind could be the baseload of battery storage uh, really catches on. I mean, I'll tell you, we moved recently, and I've talked about it on the show before here, I was always wondering, why didn't we see Tesla sort of make the leap into yard equipment? Because that's like the no-brainer, right? (laughs) And growing up, the lawnmower, the chainsaws, the weed whackers, everything, it was all gas-powered. You needed to change the oil. You had to winterize it. It never started when you needed it to start. And I mean, now I've got this whole arsenal of this Greenworks uh, yard equipment here. I just loaded up on the chainsaw here recently, all battery powered, great stuff. And I mean, gas, oil is virtually eliminated from our life in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Of course, we still have cars that run on gas. Yeah, <laughs> I think the, a lot of cars around the world are going to continue to run on gas for a long time to come. If you listen to some countries, though, they're saying they're going to completely eliminate. Uh, Petro, petro-fueled cars um, in the next 20, 30 years. China, France, right. uh, UK, Canada. Um, I don't know if the United States has made such an announcement yet, but um, California, the state has, that they're not going to sell oil-fueled cars uh, in, within the next uh, few decades. But I think also you look at mass transit, and you look at outside of the, of the United States, uh, particularly I think Latin America, we're seeing some, some areas where this is taking hold. Uh, but, but natural gas, mm-hmm. taking hold yeah. of mass transit, of yep. fleet vehicles. So, whether it's garbage companies, waste companies, or, or uh, you know, city, city transportation uh, companies, I mean, they are moving these yeah. fleets over to natural gas, which is a really attractive proposition, too. So, you see a company like Clean Energy Fuels, which has the back of some strong players mm-hmm. in the field, T. Boone Pickens being one. Yep. Uh, I mean, the stock's performance notwithstanding, I think <laughs> yeah, still that's a pretty story attractive play out. Yeah, long-term trend there, yep. at least, in, in where natural gas could, could go. And Taylor, let's um, wrap up by talking about Halliburton, this stock. What mm-hmm. do you think about the stock going forward? Yeah, I mean, uh, the services and equipment companies are my favorite way to play oil and gas, so uh, I'm a shareholder, and, and I will continue to be. I, talking about this whole renewable energy push, it's still such a small fraction of Global power generation that you've got. I, I think you know at least a decade or two before you really start to see um, the fringe players in the oil and gas space start to worry. Halliburton being the third largest in its industry, it's got a long time to go, and it's a technology leader. Partnered with Microsoft in the last in this last quarter to start um, introducing AI, augmented reality, and Internet of Things into its business lineup. So. Um, it's staying ahead of the curve, and, and I definitely like the stock if you're investing in oil and gas. And guys, let's talk toys. Shares of Hasbro down big on Monday after the toy maker warned of weaker holiday sales because of the Toys R Us bankruptcy. Now, Jason, Hasbro earnings were actually better than expected here, thanks in part to My Little Pony and Transformer Toys. But for investors, it seems like a lot of concern about that holiday quarter. Yeah, I think I mean that's that's generally what's weighing on on folks' mind. I think it's not really worrying. It's not really worth worrying about anything regarding Hasbro until the fourth quarter of the year. I mean that is really what butters the bread of these toy companies. Mattel, Hasbro, they you see every year their revenue it just sort of steps up quarter by quarter, first through fourth, until they hit that holiday quarter of the fourth quarter of the year. Uh, last year, for example, Hasbro shares rose 15% on their fourth quarter results. Uh, so, I think that really 
you know, we have Hasbro on the watch list and MDP. We're going to be paying a lot of attention to sort of how this fourth quarter is playing out to see if we can't get some clues. Uh, as you mentioned, they tempered expectations this coming quarter. They don't normally offer guidance, but management did temper sales uh, expectations. They are down to a range of, of somewhere in the neighborhood of four to seven percent growth. Uh, part of that is due to macro concerns in the UK and Brazil, which make up a lot of the company's international segment, which is becoming more and more relevant um, every year. And then part of that also is the Toys R Us bankruptcy, which I you know I want to make sure people understand why while Toys R Us did declare bankruptcy, they will be staying open throughout the holiday season. They garnered some. Uh, emergency funding from Wall Street banks, and uh, they they do play a role in Hasbro's business, though not as as big as Mattel. And when you look at the toy stocks in general, Hasbro has been a much better performer than Mattel, right? Yep. Going forward, is Hasbro's biggest competition Mattel, or when you think about their competition, should we really be looking at companies like Apple and Amazon as the nature of toys really change? I think it's a little bit of both, really. I think that Mattel, for a long time, has been a very viable competitor. But over the past few years, Mattel has become a company uh, in crisis, partly due to culture, partly due to leadership, and those really are tied. Now, they have uh, replaced leadership there, and I think that they are making uh, Good steps forward into sort of bringing bringing the company back uh, back around, but they really, you know, Mattel lost that big Disney deal to Hasbro a little while back, and that will, uh, I think, probably come back to haunt them for for some for some time to come. Now, when it comes to tech companies like Apple and Amazon, I think that's what we've always talked about is just the nature of this toy market uh, today versus what it was like when when we were growing up. And a toy just isn't the same thing today as it was twenty or thirty years ago. And so that's why you see companies like Amazon uh, developing that one hundred and fifty dollar Kindle. That's why you see Apple making different size iPads and and even iPod touches and whatnot. Because a lot of it is now based on sort of kids getting those devices at very young ages and figuring out new ways to entertain themselves with those devices versus buying all of these physical toys and sort of jump junking up the toy room there for for us to clean up every weekend. Uh, so definitely a little bit of both there, but the changing nature of the toy market is a challenge that Mattel and Hasbro both have to deal with. And guys, before we continue our conversation, I want to point out that support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. And Jason, simple in reference to applying for a mortgage, not something we always hear, right? <laughs> not something you, you hear at all. As well, a matter of fact, I think that communicates very, very difficult in virtually every sense of the word. <laughs> well, to get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. And guys, let's move to Cisco. Cisco buying telecom software company Broadsoft in a $1.9 billion deal. Jason, this seems to be all about Cisco diversifying, but a lot of us know that Cisco, when it comes to acquisitions, eh, not such a great track record. Flip cam. <coughs> yeah, flip. <laughs> I think when you get this big, uh, as Cisco is, and you want to grow, a lot of times it's going to be a lot easier to buy it than to build it. And for Cisco, that's uh, historically been a, a, a hardware play. Uh, this is a way for them to move more into the software realm, which can lead to sort of 
uh, better renewable sales, a little bit more predictable revenue stream. Now, I mean, let's be very clear here. Cisco is a big business. I mean, they generate around $48 billion in sales every year versus Broadsoft's $350 million. So, this is sort of a drop in the bucket acquisition, but it's not a cheap one. They're paying around 40 times uh, free cash flow, even a little bit more than that for. I mean, I think, listen, Broadsoft is in cloud based telecommunications, and it seems like. There are a lot of companies that are doing work sort of like that in some mm-hmm. capacity. All you have to say is cloud and SaaS, and those are the buzzwords for a lot of little companies out there today. Uh, with that said, I mean they do have a big customer base. They uh, do. They they have one big customer there in Verizon. Verizon's uh, responsible for about ten percent of their annual revenue, and so I think that's attractive for Cisco when you see a big partner like Verizon bought into something that Broadsoft's doing. An easy acquisition for Cisco to make. It's a bit expensive, but they have a huge balance sheet. My guess is it'll probably give them a little bit more exposure to that software line that they want. I don't know. This is a world-changing acquisition, but it certainly made headlines today. So I'm going to ask both of you my favorite question that I've asked before. Back in the day, and 15, 20 years ago, the buzz phrase for Cisco was Cisco is the backbone of the internet. Today, Cisco is the blank of the internet. I don't know. <laughs> that's, a very, that's part of the problem. Right? That's a very, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably that's probably about right. I mean, if you say Cisco today, probably a lot of people don't really know because they uh, are responsible for so much of that hardware that's behind the scenes that mm-hmm. no one really thinks of. And and most companies now are finding themselves as cloud companies, and and sort of that's what this acquisition of Broadsoft is is sort of centered around. Is hey, we're buying a cloud company to be a little bit more of a cloud company. So appendix. So Appendix? Well, yeah, maybe. Something you can remove and not notice? Possibly. Okay. Possibly. Just just noodle over that. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to Amazon. Um, Some serious courting um, from cities who want to be the home of Amazon's second headquarters. Amazon said on Monday that it's received 238 proposals from cities who are trying to attract the company's second headquarters. In fact, Jason, one Georgia town's mayor has said that he would rename his town Amazon. Listen, this is a nice give problem his job to, have. to Bezos. I mean, that's that's oh this is a nice problem to have. I was thinking about this. Like we, when we were selling our our townhouse here, we came back to nine offers, and I was thinking, man, that's a nice problem. It was very difficult to actually go through and look at every one, compare them, so that we can kind of kind of come up with the best one to accept. I don't know. I don't know how they deal with two hundred and eighty some odd bids or whatever it was, but they did lay out a lot of stipulations, things that they were looking for. So you know, towns or, or cities with with a population of one million or more, mass transit, universities, um, international airport, international yeah. airport. I mean, to me, like I feel like with one headquarter on the west coast, I don't know why you would build something. In that general area, mm-hmm. I feel like Atlanta is sort of the no-brainer opportunity here. And where are you from? Uh, well, I, I, let's be clear. I grew up. <laughs> I grew I have up a homer answer too. Now I did move up here from Atlanta, Georgia, Noonan to be to be specific. But yeah, my my heart's still there. My parents still live there in, in Moultrie. Um, I, listen, Georgia has a lot to offer, and I think you know it's beautiful weather, fairly low-cost place to live. They do have a decent mass transit system set up there. Plenty of universities. Uh, they're they're close to that population requirement. I, I think there are a lot of reasons why they could choose uh, somewhere in that in that Atlanta metropolitan region. Let's talk about how some of these um, towns are playing it though, because there seems to be some desperation. Sure, right? and you want to have some self respect. <laughs> so, yeah. so what I would do if I were a town trying to attract Amazon, I would run a full page ad, basically saying, 
here's why we don't need Amazon. <laughs> we don't need Amazon because we have X. Like if I'm Kansas City, because we have the Chiefs, we have the Royals. You know, we are centrally located. You know, or you submitted barbecue. you submitted the bid and now you want to withdraw. That's it. Hey, it, yeah. listen, on second thought, you know what? And it's not you; it's me. That's it. Play hard to we get. We just yeah, and all of a sudden, play hard to get. There you go. Now, now, then he there's a little bit of second guessing going on. That's right. Let's rethink this. Hey, we can work it out. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I was yeah, but don't I don't don't rename your town. Nah, when you start when you start begging for begging for the attention and everything, it really no. just reeks of desperation. No, you're bigger. Be bigger than Amazon. Yeah. It'd be funny to see if he gets reelected after saying that he's going to rename the town. These <laughs> well, I think he said they got, like, they, it was actually voted. I think four to two at the city council <laughs> okay. or something, where they actually could. There was some substance behind the actual claim. Like I think the, the general population was was for it, but yeah, I, I don't. I, that's probably a step yeah. too far. That would be kind of cool, but then all of a sudden you've got to really. Now you're basically saying you know, Amazon's going to last forever, and so what happens in 50 years if this thing gets yeah. disrupted by something? And now you're stuck with this crappy named town for a business that doesn't That's exist right. anymore. Yeah, That's right. You really got Who a, knows? a city that could sustain itself without Amazon <laughs> because, like, it's going to take over. I, personally, I mean, I know DC, like the Arlington Boston corridor. I think they applied. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm hoping to God that uh, they don't move here. Keep your friends close and your enemies close, yeah, well, right? I mean, that's I mean, why you get up here to DC. Fifty thousand jobs, paying an average of over a hundred k. It's going to drive up pr- real estate prices. It's going to clog just, up traffic, which is already garbage here, anyways. I was going to say what we really need is, I mean, to push up property valuations here a little bit. Because yeah, that's right. just you know, they're not quite high enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, buy, just buy before your town gets announced as Amazon's <laughs> next headquarters. I like it. <laughs> Hedge your bet there a little bit. Okay, guys. Well, before we wrap up, it's Halloween week here on Market Flurry, so all week long we're going to be talking about overrated and underrated candy. So, Jason, we talked about this a little on Motley Fool Money last week, but yeah. give me your overrated and underrated candy. Well, I stand by my overrated baby Ruth, even though I caught a little flack on Twitter over the weekend. I still, yeah. man, the thing's got a one-way ticket to the trash can in my house. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to take it another direction here. i got some other ideas. Underrated, you got to go Junior Mints. I mean, I don't think you see Strong. them enough. I mean, it's simple, it's chocolate, it's peppermint. It's delicious. Yeah. Love it. Who doesn't like yeah. a Junior I agree. Mint? Taylor, what do you got? For uh, underrated, underrated. Oh, Henry yeah. Bar. Ooh, solid. Yeah, Sue Ellen I think it's a Snickers on steroids, but uh, completely under the radar. That is such a good point. Yeah. That is a good one, though. I, I like that. I, I love that, that. One forever. But I love that. It's a tasty candy. Bar. I had three different answers over the course of the morning. <laughs> You're and my, my, my first answer was Heath Bar, <laughs> um, and then I changed that to Fifth Avenue Bar. Yeah, and then I changed that. And this is really <laughs> obscure, and it's no longer being made. But back in the day, there was a candy bar called Milkshake. And Ooh. you know, there's probably one or two people listening who who may have had one, and it was great. It yeah, was just awesome. That. Yeah, and part of it is I I would eat them at Astros games, and I don't know if I uh-huh. mentioned, but Astros are in the series. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love okay, the Heath so, Bar call. Uh, the Heath, Heath Bar ice cream. Is yeah, my Heath Bar ice cream. Always good solid. topping on yeah. ice cream at those yogurt places. So though. good. Okay, so how about um, how about um, overrated Taylor? You didn't give me your overrated Smarties. Gross. Smarties, yeah. Smarties. I, so I, I mean, every from the, candy bag has them, and blue. I don't like eating them, and I hate vacuuming them from under the couch cushions. Is <laughs> nerds. Yeah, I nerds, mean, yeah. I just they're way overrated. I don't like them. Yep, yeah. I'm gonna go three musketeers. It, it always seems like a good idea, and then I like two bites in. I'm like, what is this? Lacking substance. Yeah. yeah, and it's you know, and it's and it's not fair, but I think it suffers. It's in the shadow of Snickers. I think that's it, Snickers. Well, there's no is, textural difference. Yeah, and Snickers is so solid, and that's that, like, the hurdle, right? Yeah, that's the index fund. Yeah. like if you can't beat <laughs> Snickers, then you know, just buy you know, buy Snickers. The ideas we have here, you throw that idea out here, now you got to top it. 
Okay, guys. Well, we will keep an eye on it. The world of overrated and underrated. Um, go Astros. If you're not a baseball fan, I've got to, I got to give a shout out to my Astros. And, and if you're not inclined to watch the World Series, I'm going to give you one reason to watch it. And Taylor, the reason is Jose Altuve. 100% agree. Yeah. Okay. Jose Altuve, if you're, if you're not following baseball, he's been the best hitter probably the last few years based on average. Mm-hmm. He's also the shortest player in the game. Oh, really? um, depending upon you, who you ask, he's 5'6", maybe 5'5". Five, five. But that's not the reason I love him. The reason I love him is the guy is really fun to watch, and he plays the game with an incredible just sense of joy. Yeah. So it's a wonderful thing to just watch him play. So even if you don't want to watch, or even if you're a Yankees fan and you're kind of upset because now it's the Dodgers, Astros, go ahead and watch. And, and if you want to root for the Astros, there is plenty of room on the bandwagon. So what about <laughs> real quick? Was there who won the MVP for that series? Was it Altuve or Verlander? Verlander, Verlander, Verlander. Yeah, Under Armour athlete. Yeah. How yeah. about that? So there you go. All so right. so Ghost Rose, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks yeah, for joining me. Thank you. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. Stealing right.